It's Sunday, July 11th, and we want to welcome you to the Winkler Berktoller Mennonite Church service. We're excited that you have joined us to worship with us together. We pray that you will experience God's presence as he speaks to you through his word and the songs that we sing. This morning, we want to continue with part two of the message entitled, Speaking the Truth in a Volatile Situation, found in Daniel chapter 5, verses 11 through 31. Thank you, ladies, for opening up in song this morning. And uh, welcome to all of you who have joined us today. We're glad that you can be with us. 
We have a great God, and we want to worship him together and receive the encouragement that, uh, that, that it gives when we uh, gather at his feet. And also, we want to commit ourselves to worshiping our God. He alone is worthy. I'll just open with a few announcements before we go to Scripture and prayer. A few uh, announcements then. Uh, Missionaries of the week are uh, Don and Shar Epp. Our vacation Bible school is still being planned and uh, worked out, so please, if, if you can... If you want to contribute something, please uh, contact Anna Friesen. And otherwise, let's pray for that ministry. In our community, as we, as we pray for our community today, we want to remember those who are working in, at the pool, local pools, and uh, serve as lifeguards. They have an important task to play. Let's pray for them. In our church, uh, wow, what a praise item. I noticed in our bulletin we've got a dozen uh, wedding anniversaries to celebrate. And I did a little math, and I added up the years represented by those marriages. It's 449 years. Boy, that's something to celebrate. So let's be be thankful about that, and then let's also pray for the marriages in our church, that they will stay strong and, uh, and stay the course. Let's also pray for our church council as they give direction and leadership to our church. Pray for Dean, as uh, Dean and Cheryl take some vacation time, that, uh, that they'll get the rest and refreshment that they need. Also, uh, again, the Valley Cable option for Sunday mornings is gone, but uh, what, what's different than last week's announcement is they'll be, start, they'll be putting on our services at 4 p.m. on Tuesdays, and then they will just continue throughout the evening. It'll cycle through. So that starts at 4 on Tuesdays. And I had a little idea, and I thought, since we haven't seen each other in, a, in actually quite a while, some of us, and we may have to be like this for a few more weeks, I'm going to invite you to uh, send me some pictures, pictures of yourselves, and we'll put them on our, on our online service so that we can all see what, uh, what we look like and remember who we are. So send your pictures in to my email address. Uh, you'll, you'll find it on the uh, devotion that I send out every week, or you can get it uh, from the church directory. So please, take that opportunity. Also, some health concerns we have. Uh, David Dick is back at home, uh, home from the hospital. Uh, Jane Brown continues with treatment for her eyes. Let's continue to pray for her. Helen Hebert in palliative care at Tabor. And then at Boundary Trails are Betty Reimer, and Jacob J. Dick. Now, we did mention that, uh, that Jake Dick was uh, in palliative care. He is now not in palliative care. And so I don't have the, all the details on that, but uh, I talked to Anna today, and she requested that we continue to pray for them. So let's do that. And then one expression of sympathy. David Clausen of Tabor Home passed away Sunday, July 4th. A private graveside service has been held He was a brother to Ella Neufeld. Ella and her family want to thank you, the church, for all the support that you've given to Dave over the years. And thank you to Abe Wiebe for taking the time to visit and encourage Dave. All right, let's turn uh, turn to an opening scripture for this morning. 
Let's look at Psalm 107. I'm going to read uh, the first nine verses, and then I'll make an explanation and read a few more. Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered away in deserts, finding no way, uh, no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. And then this psalm goes on to describe how some people are in darkness and some are in the shadow of death and others suffer because of their own sin and some experience calamity. And then at verse 28 we read, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Let's do that this morning. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, thank you for Psalm 107. Thank you for how it draws us to, to praising your name and, uh, and, and recognizing the mighty deeds that you have done in our lives to bring us to safe places. It seems that we often run into trouble before we cry out to you. But then you are faithful and you answer. And we give you praise for that. Father, this morning we want to bring before you some of the concerns of our church. We thank you for Don and Sharep and for their ministry. We also thank you that they have been able to uh, have a break from that ministry and pray that, uh, that their preparations to return will... Uh, Will, will, be hap- uh, will happen as they have been planned and that, they will, uh, that the plans that they have will bear fruit. We pray also, Father, for their family life and for their, for their own faith, that you would strengthen them, encourage them, and bless them. Father, we thank you for the Vacation Bible School ministry that we're, that we're moving ahead with here. We pray for Anna as she organizes and for the education committee as they help her with that. And we pray, Father, that you will bring children who will be happy to, happy to come so that we can share with them the good news of the gospel. Thank you, Father, for that ministry, and we pray that you would, that you would bless it. Thank you also, Father, for people in our community who, who take uh, posts of uh, responsibility, like lifeguards and people who work at at our local pools. We pray, Father, that you would give them strength and courage and wisdom and joy to do that job. It may not seem like much sometimes, and yet uh, all of a sudden it, 
it becomes an emergency. And so we pray for clear minds as they do carry out their work. Father, we thank you uh, in the church here for our uh, the many years of marriage that are represented just by these uh, 12 couples who are celebrating their anniversaries. Thank you, Father, for uh, keeping us in our marriages. Thank you, Father, for um, not letting us give up on each other, but helping us to tough it out so that we can, by our marriages, reflect the relationship between Christ and the church before the world. Thank you, Father. What a joy to, to live that out. Then, Father, we also pray for our church council. Pray that you would uh, give, them, give them direction, give them uh, wisdom as they, as they provide leadership for this body. Then, Father, we also uh, pray for those who are not well. Dave Dick is back at home, and, and you know the situation there. We pray, Father, that your, your hand would be there and that he, he would be restored to health. Also for Jane, Father, she continues treatment for her eyes, that uh, you would be present, that you would bring about the healing. We know that healing ultimately comes from you. We pray also for Helen Hebert, who is uh, walking to the end of her days. And uh, we pray, Father, that you will keep her faith, that it will not fail, and that she will be found faithful at the very end. Thank you also for Betty Reimer at the hospital. As she's dealing with cancer, Father, that you would bring about healing for her, uh, and that you would uh, uh, bring her comfort, and that you would um, give her strength, Father, to, to face each day and the challenges that, are, uh, that present themselves, uh, that she might also grow in faith and become stronger. Father, we also then pray for Jake Dick, who has uh, been in the hospital and still is, and we pray that you would be there with him, that he might know your presence, that you would also grant to him peace and, and the assurance of your presence with him. Father, in all these cases, we, we pray and we trust that you, you are present and that, that the pain would not be wasted, that in each of these cases it would result in a deeper faith. Father, we also then... Uh, ask that you minister to the family of David Clausen, who, who just passed away. Family is in mourning, and uh, death is such a final thing, and it, it's, it's a heavy thing to process. So we pray for comfort and peace for the family, and also, the, um, and also joy, joy in the Lord. Now, Father, uh, we also want to remember that uh, we want to give back to you of, of the many things with which you have blessed us, and so as we give our gifts uh, and put them in the offering plate, we pray, Father, that you would use it for the building of your kingdom, that it would bring honor and glory to your name, that it would serve to build the church, and that we could do it with joyful and glad hearts. Thank you, Father, for this hour that you have given to us. We pray that you would use it. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh
Good morning, boys and girls. I'm glad you joined me today. The last story I shared with you was about how seeds grow to be tall and healthy plants. And we talked about how we also grow to be tall and healthy, but we also want to grow in wisdom, which is knowing more about God and what He wants us to do. Now, sometimes God asks us to do things that are hard for us. But if we do what he asks, he will help us to become wise and be more like him. Now today's story is again about a seed. This seed is afraid to be planted. He is so comfortable staying in the drawer with the other seeds that he doesn't realize all the wonderful things he could be doing out in the world. Let's read the story. The Seed Who Was Afraid to Be Planted There was once a seed who lived in a drawer, in a room of a mansion, by a beautiful shore. The drawer was all filled up with seeds of all kinds, for bushes and trees and flowering vines. The seed was quite happy and had lots to do. The drawer was quite pretty and painted bright blue. Cozy and warm, the seed felt secure. The drawer was a playground, of this he was sure. But all was not well. The seed was afraid that he would be taken and planted one day. The mansion, you see, was owned by a man whose hobby was gardening and tending his land. The man sometimes took a seed from the drawer, and no one would see that seed anymore. The seed was so scared there might come a day the man would reach down and take him away. The thought was just awful and hard to believe. He couldn't imagine that he'd have to leave. Then one dark day the drawer opened wide. The seed saw a hand reach down from outside. He tried to escape. He begged and he cried, but there was no place to run or to hide. The hand clasped about him. The seed shook with fear. He yelled to the man, Don't take me from here. 
Outside in the garden, the seed looked around. He saw to his horror a hole in the ground. A hole in the ground? Oh, no, it can't be. I want to go back to my drawer. Can't you see? I'm scared to be planted. I want to be free. I'm in so much pain and such agony. The man was just silent. He made not a sound. He just smiled softly and put the seed down. The sky was deep purple. The seed said a prayer. The man stood above him and buried him there. He started to moan. He started to groan. He felt so abandoned, forsaken, alone. Tired and frightened, he started to weep, but soon closed his eyes and fell fast asleep. All covered with dirt, he dreamed he would die. But then, all at once, in the blink of an eye, something took place there in that hole to the seed's weary body and terrified soul. He started to change. He started to glow. The little seed stretched and started to grow. What can be happening? The little seed cried. What is this feeling I have deep inside? His body expanded. He swelled and he grew. He rose in the dirt till his head wiggled through. Once through the soil, he saw a great light. The sun in the sky was dazzlingly bright. Slowly but surely, the seed was aware of rising and climbing up into the air. At last, the seed realized, at last he could see, he was really and truly becoming a tree. Higher and higher the little tree went, into the heavens he made his ascent. Suddenly branches sprang from his side, hundreds and hundreds of leaves multiplied. The branches grew nuts and fruits that hung down. They swayed in the breeze and covered the ground. Then, filling the air with fragrant perfumes, the tree sprouted flowers and blossoms and blooms. Then birds began building nests for their young, joyfully flapping their wings as they sung. In the tree's branches, the baby birds napped while woodpeckers pecked at his bark full of sap. Cardinals and blue jays flew from above. They played with the eagles and owls and doves. Squirrels and rabbits began to appear. Beautiful butterflies came flying near. The tree was amazed. He looked at the scene. The sky was so blue, the garden was so green. Mountains and vineyards and cities he saw. Millions of mansions looked over the shore. The tree was so thankful and heavy with fruit, he bowed to the man in humble salute. The man stood below, a smile on his face. His children were running all over the place. They climbed up the tree. They swung from his vines. They seemed to be having the happiest time. The garden was sunlit. The tree was aware of laughter and music and life everywhere. Life in the garden, life on the shore, so much more life than he had in the drawer. A breeze stirred his leaves. A wind howled through. The tree understood that all things were new. 
the tree understood that he had been freed. He barely remembered when he was a seed. He barely remembered his life in the drawer. His fears disappeared and returned nevermore. The End What happened to the seed after he was planted? He changed, didn't he? He realized that there was so much for him to do. He helped children by giving them shade and branches to swing on and fruit to eat. He helped the animals by giving them a place to build their homes. Now, if the man had not planted the seed, the seed would not have grown to be a tree, and he would not have been free to enjoy life. Now, I think God is a bit like that man. Sometimes he pushes us or encourages us to do something that we might think is scary. And we might say, don't take me from here. I'm comfortable here. But sometimes he puts a thought in our mind, or he just gives us a feeling in here that we should do something. Maybe he wants us to become friends with someone who is different or who doesn't have any friends. Or maybe he wants us to tell someone about Jesus. Whatever it is, God will help us not to be afraid, and things will usually turn out better than we expected. There's a verse that reminds us that God gives us strength for whatever we need. It's found in Philippians 4, verse 13. And it says, For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'll read that again. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4, verse 13. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you that you are always with us and that you help us when we are afraid. We know that when you ask us to do something, you will give us the strength we need to do it, and you will teach us to be more like you. Amen. Scripture reading today is taken from Daniel chapter 5, verses 10 to 31. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. May the king live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There's a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. He did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding, and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writings mean. So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing 
and tell me what it means. You will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered the king, You may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Your majesty, the most high God, gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of his high position, he gave him all the nations and peoples of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. And those he wanted to to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like the ox and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the God of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds his hand in your life all your ways. Therefore he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. And this is the inscription that was written. Mini, mini, tekel, parzin. Here's what these words mean. Meaning, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it into an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple, a gold chain was placed around his neck, and he, he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. I would like to begin this morning's message with a quote by Gary Kent from the incredible journey, Daniel chapter 5, The Writing on the Wall. It was the 12th of October in 539 BC, just over 350 years ago, and it was during the reign of the Babylon monarch Belshazzar. Well, this king um, knew how to party, and he loved to party. One night, he organized a big party, and what a party it was. The king's lords, his wives, his concubines, over a thousand of them, not only drinking wine, but drinking it from the sacred vessels that had been brought in by the ancient Jewish brought in from the ancient Jewish temple uh, uh, temple in Jerusalem pillaged decades earlier by his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar amid the sacrilegious and revelry an event occurred that brought all the festivities to an immediate halt a mysterious hand appeared 
and in fiery letters wrote a chilling message on the wall of the king's palace. And if you ever wondered where the phrase, um, the, the phrase, the handwriting is on, on the wall originated, well, here it is. No question, this was strange, and it was shocking. He wrote this, who wrote this message, and what did it mean? Join me as we investigate this amazing story. And what happened to this ancient empire that was finally brought down in regards to an insolent king who would not surrender to the Lord? King Nebuchadnezzar, the great warrior king of Babylon, ruled his kingdom from 605 B.C. He was powerful, and he was invincible. He had no peers. He was an uncontested ruler of the world. And soon after he ascended to the throne, Nebuchadnezzar went on a war path. He set out to invade the wall cities of Jerusalem. In fact, historians record... And er, the, the historical records and the Bible tell us that the ancient king made three invading trips to Jerusalem. Three times he led his mighty army, 1,500 kilometers from the Babylon across the Fertile Crescent to Jerusalem. And each time he attacked, he inflicted severe, severe punishment and tribulation on the city and its inhabitants. On the first trip, 605 B.C., many of the precious golden vessels that are found in Solomon's magnificent temple were taken. In addition, he and his troops took hostage select and a select number of young people, including Daniel, to be trained in the ways of Babylon. And in 597 B.C., just eight years later, Nebuchadnezzar returned to Jerusalem. And this time, he took most of the remaining golden vessels in the temple treasures, about 10,000 prisoners. By the time the Jewish king Jehoiakim had abandoned the semblance of rebellion and surrendered to Nebuchadnezzar, but 11 years later, in 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar invaded a third and final time. This time, he completely destroyed Solomon's temple, just leveled it to the ground, and took most of Jerusalem's remaining population as captives back to Babylon with him. Close quote. Last week, we explored the first two points, speaking the truth in a volatile situation. We see how Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, became co-ruler with his father. Then he decided to throw a wild, idolatrous, sensual party for all the nobles, the wives, and concubines. As they were partying and drinking from the golden goblets that his father had taken from Solomon's temple, the finger of God appeared, a, really a human hand appeared and began to write on the plastered walls. Fear that turned to pandemonium grips the king, and he calls for the enchanters, the astrologers, the diviners to be brought in to read and interpret the writing on the wall, but they were unable to do this. This naturally draws us to the third response of speaking the truth in a volatile situation, number three, seemingly good news for a horrible situation. 
seemingly good news for a horrible situation. Somehow the queen had heard about the alarming situation and came immediately to the king's aid. The queen was likely not the wife of Belshazzar, but rather the mother, but rather his mother for several reasons. First, of course, it had already been mentioned that, king, that the king's wives and concubines were at the banquet hall. Second, for this person to come forward and take control, they must have held some stately position. Third, Belshazzar and his father, Nabonius, were co-rulers, thus indicating that the queen was the Bel- Belshazzar's mother. And fourth, the queen was very familiar with Nebuchadnezzar having a dream, ha- having a dream that the Babylonian wise men could not interpret. However, when Daniel was summoned, he told the king what he had dreamt and interpreted the dream for him. The queen also informed the young king that Daniel was considered such an extraordinary man and so high in wisdom that his grandfather made Daniel the head of the Babylonians' wise men. It is pretty evident that the queen recognized the crisis taking place and wanted to encourage the king and help bring a solution to the chaotic situation. Here we can see that the queen is vouching for Daniel as a person of integrity who speaks on behalf of God. She had the utmost respect for and confidence in Daniel, and that he was a person who could bring resolution to the dire circumstance at this time. This now leads us to the fourth response, speaking the truth in a volatile situation. As Daniel came into the presence of Belshazzar, it's interesting that the king calls him by his Jewish name and not Belshazzar, the name that was given to him when he was taken captive. Perhaps the pronunciation of these two names, Belshazzar and Belshazzar, is close, is so close that the king wants to put himself on a different level. Remember, when, as, I, as I just said, When Daniel was captured and taken to Babylon, they gave him the name Belshazzar. And of course, Belshazzar is king. Those names are so close in pronunciation. Belshazzar now reiterates all of the high qualities that Daniel had heard from the, that of Daniel that he had heard from the queen. It is pretty obvious and apparent that the king's pandemonium is continuing. In desperation, he offers Daniels the same rewards that he offered the Babylonian wise men to interpret the writing. And in verse 16, Belshazzar says this. Verse 17. Verse 16. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Close quote. The rewards are so high, and the reward rewards are high, and the third part of the offer is to be made ruler of the third ruler of the kingdom. 
that he ruled over. Why the third ruler? Of course, I had said in the mess, last week's message, the answer is that King Bashar, Belshazzar is co-ruling with his father. That was quite an offer that Babylon was known as the greatest power in the world. And now Daniel was being offered being third in reign. Now we come to the fifth response of speaking the truth in a volatile situation. Number five, the lessons never learned found in verses 17 through 23. The lessons never learned. Then Daniel answered the king, you keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Daniel declined the offer, not as an insult, but instead he saw no need for the elevation to a position that would no longer be there in the future. However, he reassured the king that he would answer his request without taking any remuneration. Daniel was not scared or worried about the repercussions if he told the king the truth. Daniel had seen God work many times and intervene. And he saw how God would protect him. So what he was about to say to the king would be able to be spoken kindly but truthfully at the same time. Daniel summarized the life of the king's grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, of how he held the highest position in the world at the time because God had granted him this. It was the sovereign God who allowed him to be in the position that he was. But in time, Nebuchadnezzar's heart grew proud, and he began to think to himself, it was he who built this great empire, and because he was head of it, everything fell into place. So God came and stripped him of his position in sanity. He was driven away from the people and given the mind of an animal, lived with the wild donkeys, and the scripture says he ate the grass like cattle. Daniel in chapter 4, verse 34 and 35 tells us that Nebuchadnezzar had learned his lesson. He came to his senses and he honored God who lives forever. Daniel pointed out to Belshazzar that he did not humble himself like his father did, although he knew all that has happened to his grandfather. Instead, instead, Belshazzar set himself up even against God. He did something very deplorable by bringing in the golden vessels of the temple of the living God to party with them. His grandfather was given them to take care of, but Belshazzar used them to indulge in an immoral party and a lifestyle. The scriptures indicate that he knew exactly what he was doing, and that is why he was about to face a swifter, stiffer, and harder consequence and judgment. He failed to honor God. This now leads us to the sixth response of speaking the truth in a volatile situation. Number six, the consequences spelt out in verses 24 through verse 28. Listen as I read these verses. 
Therefore he sent the hand, and Daniel is speaking at this time. Therefore he spent the, sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is an inscription that was written. Meanie, meanie, talke, parson. This is what the words mean. Meanie, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to the end. Telki, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perish. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Daniel now gives the reading and the interpretation. The word meaning means numbers, simply numbers. The word telki means weighed, and the word perish means to divide. Even if the wise men could have read this, they could not have given any interpretation because they had no reference point. The word mini, which means numbered, is mentioned twice. This indicates that the judgment could, could not be changed. God was demanding the life of Belshazzar that very night. That is a terrifying thought for everyone because we have passed, because once we've passed from this life into the next, there is no chance of changing anything. And God will call us to judgment one day. And this is why it's so important. It's terrifying thought for everyone because once this happens, then we will spend either place in eternity, which is heaven or hell. Telki means weighed. In Belshazzar's spiritual life, he was found lacking. He never humbled himself before God, and he never repented of his sins. The king lived a wicked lifestyle, and now he would face the consequences. The good news is that as long as we are living, we have opportunity to repent and turn to God. Behold, now is the day of salvation and making everything right with God. Tomorrow may be too late. We do not know the future. Perish means divide. The great Babylon would now be conquered and divided to gi- and given to the Medes and the Persians. Persians. What a stunning interpretation and a prophecy that would be fulfilled literally this very night. And this leads us to the final response of speaking the truth in a volatile situation, the exaltation of Daniel and the fall of Babylon. Daniel did not want any remuneration or reward, but the king ordered Daniel be given everything as promised to him. He would be exalted, although he had given a prophecy of judgment. That very night, the, uh, the wild, of the wild party that Belshazzar was throwing ended in a blood pass. Beth. 
Historians tell us that a river from the north to the south ran under the city's huge walls that Babylon thought were impenetrable and invincible. The Medes and the Persians diverted the river and then went under the walls. They ransacked the city, killing Belshazzar and many others, and took over the city, and not only that, took over the entire empire. As I said that night, the party ended in a bloodbath. So what does that mean to you and me this morning? First, when God raised Israel up, his chosen people, God said that if they would follow him faithfully, the Lord would bless them and take care of them. However, Israel turned their back on God and went into idolatry. So the Lord sent them into 70 years of captivity under who? The Babylonians. Second, Nebuchadnezzar came and conquered Jerusalem because God had raised them up to bring punishment upon Israel. And he gave them the power and the position to do it. However, his heart became proud and God humbled him as we learned also last week and today. Then Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, became king and he also rebelled against God. He was so busy partying and living the good life and did not learn any lessons from the Lord's judgment on his grandfather. You and I are in a similar situation. We are so blessed and God is no longer first place in our lives. Often we will find that. Instead, we have made our wealth, our material possessions, and our busyness our God. We can no longer feel the tug of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We live our lives and do everything according to our own wisdom. And God, in the midst of our busyness, is calling us back, calling us back to himself. As we take our lessons from Israel, as we take our lessons from Nebuchadnezzar, and as we take our lessons from his son Belshazzar, let us learn that if we avoid God or we turn our back on God, that swift judgment will also come upon us. While we have the time, let's examine our life. Let's examine our life and ask God, what do you find in our life that is not in line with you and that is taking us away. And let us repent with a heart and come back to God so that we can walk with him. I trust that as you walk with the Lord this week and as you continue to read the scriptures, you will ask the Lord to look into your heart the same way I will ask the Lord and see if there's anything that is pulling us away from him so that we can turn back to the Lord and walk with him.
benediction is found in Revelation chapter 22, verses 12 and forward. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have a right to the tree of life, and may go through the gates into the city. Outside of the outside are the dogs, those who practice magical arts, the sexual immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I want to thank you for joining us this morning. And I trust that you will come and you will join us as we worship next week at the same time. <laughs> 